You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, 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 the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And, of course, it's SEC Media Days. And guess who I got? Who I got on the line here? <laughs> hey, buddy. What's going on? Hey, it's Cousin Shane. How you doing, brother? The football's right around the corner. And that I knew... Once the football came, Cousin Shane would come a-running. How you doing, brother? That's right, man. When I stopped seeing them reruns there on the college football uh, channels, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I saw the media, and I was like, wait a second, this is real news. <laughs> I better jump on. I kind of had to mute Twitter there for a, a minute there, Mike, because I know you were uh, big and thick into the list season. I got a lot of people asking me, who I thought the best quarterback was. I was like, no, you ain't getting me. That's all Mike, baby. What well, sounds like since you've been gone, Shane, you've updated your audio recording, whatever, because you sound fantastic. What, what all have you put into the podcast? Oh, oh my gosh, Mike. You know, I just turned 49 years old, right? Just kidding. I'm not 49. I feel like it. If you look at my Amazon orders coming through, <laughs> But uh, I did step up the mic game. I stepped up the headset game, computer game, the whole thing. Bought a camera. Even today, <laughs> today, uh, this huge box comes in from Amazon, right? And and the wife's like, "What is this?" And I was like, "I don't know. I thought I got everything, you know." And we started opening up. And she's getting all the pieces out, and it's those two big old lights, you know. They, just <laughs> 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 My baby's like, what? What kind of what kind of YouTube videos are you doing? <laughs> it's like it's not like that, babe. Oh, uh, it's not like that. No, I said if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it right. So yes, uh, we got all the stuff in. Uh, unfortunately, I still got shitty internet, so I'm not a hundred percent there. But uh, baby steps, Mike. Right, we're just trying to get everything ready for the big college football season. It starts with SEC media days. Yeah, it does, and you teased it right there. You know, head on over. If you've not already subscribed to the YouTube page, it's That SEC Podcast, same as the show, same as the uh, Twitter handle. 
because we've got every single video from SEC Media Days up on the YouTube page, and the podcast is coming. You know, all the podcast content is also on YouTube, and it's all advertisement free. So that's a little incentive to go check that on out. But uh, hey, enough uh, about the behind the scenes, Shane. You ready to talk some SEC Media Days? Let's do it. All right. So first day up, we had three teams come down to Hoover, Florida, LSU, and South Carolina. And, uh, you know, before we get into, you know, just the comments like we like to do on the show, uh, you know, I got to say that, uh, you know, it's just great to, you know, last year, obviously, we didn't get this event. And it really is kind of the signaling of the upcoming college football season and lets everybody know where it's just right around the corner. And it we get fired up talking football year round, but the juices don't really start flowing until this event hits, does it? No, it really does it. And, and it just feels like once you make it here, I know a lot of people say, hey, well, it's still 50 days away. I mean, think about that, Mike. That's a long month, if you ask me. <laughs> We're a long month away from college football, and I think the it's the media days for me that just kind of like sig like it's like uh, next thing you know the kids are starting to you know show up for camp and then you know now we're starting to talk about depth charts and and it's you know it's no more list seasons the list seasons are behind us now we're talking about actual football information and uh we want to get it out to you daily so that's that's my favorite part i i you know if if, a lot of loyal listeners out there might know that hey they're like hey where the hell's shane been well shane shane's like a bear you know and in the and in the summer months, you know, he just he just does his thing. But then he comes back for the fall season, and uh, I'm here 100%, and I'm, I'm looking forward to some college football action, Mike. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's just get right into it, Shane. With uh, Let's just start with the Florida Gators defending SEC East champions. And, you know, we don't have a, a clip for this part. This was uh, shared by Edgar Thompson. But, you know, he asked Dan Mullen, what do you think about – Georgia being the preseason favorite to win the East. And did you see what he said, Shane? <laughs> no, I, I did, but I don't want to ruin it. Go ahead and say it. <laughs> he said, didn't they say the same thing last year? <laughs> and, of course, Gators won the East. Now, it's debatable depending on who you ask. Uh, I think the media actually did pick Florida to win it last year. But still, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a hell of a line. That was the kind of the zinger of day one SEC media days. But, you know, I've – since, you know, from all the coach interviews, player interviews, chip on these guys' shoulders. And, uh, you know, I think they really don't appreciate the fact that, you know, they whooped up on Georgia. And then here we are, everyone, myself included, hyping up the Bulldogs heading into this year. And uh, could, could you get that same sense from the clips we sent over to you, Shane? I, I sensed that from the players. And it wasn't about me, him, that guy. You know, it was it felt more like a team message that came from Florida Gators. So I don't know if this is something they talked about on the plane ride over or if this is something that's really happening behind the scenes. So if it is, I think that's what caught Gators off last year. It it became sometimes a a team of individuals, and uh, it feels like they're trying to come in with a new attitude this season, uh, which you'd love to hear because when you've got all 11 out there on the field playing the same game, it becomes a dangerous team. Yeah, and, you know, one other constant theme I saw from the Gators uh, specifically Dan Mullen from his SEC media days appearance here was it didn't matter if he was on SEC network or ESPN or CBS Mm -hmm. he was hyping up 
Emory Jones and what yeah. what he's going to bring to the Gators this season. Is that a guy that uh, maybe myself included not giving that guy enough credit because we all know Dan Mullen once he gets his hands on a quarterback for a couple of years. I mean, it's kind of ignorant to not expect a, a big season from the guy. So do you think maybe we're discounting Emory Jones a little bit? Well, I, I look at it different, Mike. I think we're discrediting Dan, Dan Mullins. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you think about the quarterbacks that he has, you know, I, I there was not a lot of Kyle Trask cop coming in the last season yet. He made him uh, a Heisman candidate. Right. Uh, you know, you look at Dak Prescott, you just, I mean, this is the track record alone. I don't expect anything different. Now, obviously, Wildman's had plenty of opportunities to win the job, and he hasn't done that. So so there's a part of me that has a little bit of reserve. But you look what was in front of him. There were some freaking athletes, you know. You you got Kyle Trask, which turned out to be an amazing quarterback, and I think he's going to be an amazing quarterback on Sundays. And then in front of that, you got Felipe, and you 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 look what he did with Arkansas. Turn that damn program around. So you know those are some heavy hitters in front of you. So even if you're ten percent or you're not as as good as as those guys, you're still going to be a hell of an athlete, and you have a full offseason with Dan Mullen, the quarterback whisperer. Yeah, I think maybe we are discrediting a little bit of him and Dan. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Dan Shane, who uh, I thought the kind of the best comments he had was on just how he plans on adapting his offense to the players he's got, on the team having a you know a chip on their shoulder, and maybe some of the guys, particularly on defense, kind of, you know, not playing together, playing more as individuals. And then finally, on Florida's ability to reload after losing so many guys to the NFL. Coach, with the uh, transition in offense with quarterback and Emory Jones and being a more mobile quarterback, how does that affect the offensive line and those guys needing to kind of bounce back from the last couple of years? It's, uh, it's just going to be a little bit different offense. You know, that's, that's the, 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 the one beauty of what we do is the opportunity within our scheme is the ability to fit around the strengths of the players. You know, so you're looking at at a team last year where we're actually a very efficient running team last year. And you look statistically, you know, we go to the end of the year, um, you know, when I look at efficiencies, four yards or more on a running play. Um, And uh, so our efficiency was at a very high rate during the course of the season. We just didn't run the ball much. Uh, You know, so that wasn't anybody's fault really but mine, I guess. I just called called pass plays. and that was fun. So I think, uh, but, you know, we have the opportunity maybe to be a little bit more balanced this year with, with the depth at running back, the experience on the offensive line, and then obviously, you know, guys that, that are a threat with their legs as well as their arms at the quarterback position. So uh, I think that'll change a little bit of things for us and how we do things this year. Both Zach and Ventrell um, used the phrase, you know, when they were talking about attacking the offseason, they used the phrase chip on their shoulder. Um, and they said the whole team really has one. Where do you think that's coming from for your guys this offseason? Well, I think, you know, especially look defensively, I think guys thought they didn't play to the Gator standard last year. And I think they understood it, you know, um, maybe at times you had some independent contractors defensively, which you can't have, you know. I mean, guys that, that weren't focused on playing 11-guy uh, team defense at all times. Uh, and I think they've really focused uh, on their the, the the not just their improvement as players, but their improvement as leaders and the leadership quality of creating uh, a mindset of 11 guys, you know, being accountable, doing the exact thing, doing what they're supposed to do at all times uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And so I think that is that 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 chip on the shoulder to play play up to the Gator standards is, is where where that's coming from. 
Hey, Coach, obviously your defense is going to be more the veteran presence on the field, in the locker room, but the offense trying to come of age as well and kind of equal those parts out. What gives you the confidence that this team has all the pieces needed to be a national title contender? Well, I, I think you look that even though you look at all the production that leaves, if you do look at what returns, there's, it's not a zero. You know, now obviously, I mean, there's some huge numbers and, and you know, two first-rounders and, and, and two first-rounders and a Heisman finalist walking out the door uh, are putting up massive numbers. But if you go back, if we, we, didn't, we weren't here last year, but I, I always think, Joe, the, the, the number one question I would have gotten this time last year is, boy, you had four receivers leave to go to the NFL. How are you going to leave and be able to throw the ball? How are you going to create and replace those guys that left? And kept saying, well, we have guys because we rotate a lot of guys that have experience. So if, if you look at the tight end position, if I combine Keon Zipper and Kamori Gamble's numbers last year, I think they would be second in the SEC at the tight end position in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. So are they Kyle Pitts? No. Are they guys that haven't played? No, they've played and they've put up numbers in big games. If you look at Emory Jones' quarterback, it, it doesn't look like a guy, like those aren't numbers of a rookie. He probably has some of the better numbers in the league coming back as, as you know, coming into this season. You know, the only number that he doesn't have a big number from is starts in attempts, completions, touchdowns, yards, uh, rushing attempts, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, all of that. He's going to be at a higher number. Um, so I think that aspect of things, of what we've done offensively, even, even our receivers with their turns, uh, and we do have a veteran group of running backs coming back. Uh, you know, and uh, so I, I think when you look at that, uh, maybe there's, we've lost a, a huge amount of big numbers, but it's not like there's zero experience returning. All right, Shane, so that last clip really stand out to me because, you know, he makes a really good point. Mm -hmm. This time last year, Florida was the only team in the nation, I believe, to have four receivers leave their team and make the final rosters in the NFL. Yet, you know, without media days, we kind of we didn't have all these questions. Well, how are you gonna, you know, <laughs> who are you gonna throw the ball to? Well, my God, they just had maybe the greatest tight end of all time there in, in Kyle Pitts, and, and Tony was a first round pick, and Grimes was outstanding for him. So. You know, they have really shown the ability to reload under Dan Mullen in his time there in Gainesville and, you know, getting the sense of his confidence and the, and the players from SEC media days. I've yeah. got a feeling that, uh, you know, again, they have con every confidence that they're going to do that this year too. Well, here, here I just praised them coming out and, and playing like a team and there's no eyes. But if one thing about Dan, it, he's shown us that he's able to identify talent. Now, we don't know exactly how many players that's going to be. It could be two, it could be five, it could be, hell, it could be seven, eight. We mm -hmm. don't know how deep these Gators are really going to be. But I have no doubt in my mind that he knows who they are and he's going to find ways to get those guys the ball in space. And, uh, and, and even though it looks more like an individual game, um, I have full confidence that Dan Mullen finding the talent, even, you know, we may not be burning the list up saying, Hey man, look at all these, uh, offensive weapons down here in Florida, but it would not surprise me here in five, six months. We're looking back saying, damn, how did, how did we miss this guy? Mm-hmm. Now let's kick it over to uh, the Florida players, Shane. We had uh, defensive lineman Zach Carter and linebacker Ventrell Miller uh, talking about how great it is going to be to have fans back in the stands. You know, we obviously lost 
we, we had fans last year, but it just, we all know it wasn't the same. There wasn't the, the tailgating like it needs to be. And, you know, we didn't have 90,000 there in the swamp going crazy. That's going to be epic for when Florida, excuse me, Alabama comes into Florida. That could be the, the winning edge for the Gators. So they talk about that. And on uh, defense making improvements this spring, mm-hmm. and on Florida be, still being the team to beat in the East. When you look at this year in particular, how exciting is it that you know, you'll be playing in kind of a more normal season, more fans, you're going to be playing in fuller stadiums as, a, you know, as opposed to last year? You know, it's pretty exciting, man. Um, last year it was pretty tough. You know, it was a tough year for everybody, you know. Um, it wasn't the same, honestly. You know, being out there, you're used to seeing thousands and thousands of stadium packed, and then it's just like 20,000 people out there. So, you know, I know Gator Nation was hurting last year. I know they all wanted to be there, but I'm just really excited to get out there in front of them, man. Uh, we love the fans. They make a huge difference when we're out there. So I'm looking forward to that, definitely. Zach, uh, talk about the approach on defense between the coaches. And you guys are trying to bounce back from a, a disappointing season last year. The approach from the coaches and you guys uh, yourselves this spring. Man, this spring, this spring was great for our defense, man, honestly. Um, you know, the guys all spring, you know, we were juice every day, energy, um, you know, guys playing hard. And, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, guys coming together. I think, you know, I think the biggest thing about a unit is being close off the field. And, you know, I think guys started to come together more and you could see like the cohesiveness on the field, honestly. Um, you know, we, we know we have some things to work on this year on defense, definitely. And I think spring was a great step forward. Um, defense defense looked pretty good this spring. So we're looking to, um, going into camp, we're looking to bounce right back where we started, you know. Last year obviously ended not the way you guys wanted to. And your teammate Zach Carter just talked about how in spring, you guys raised the bar. You, him, your teammates all stepping up to make sure this season, you guys got a big chip on your shoulder and you wanted to prove last year was just a fluke. How exciting is it to come into this season knowing you guys got something to prove and everybody else might want to watch out? Man, like, like Zach said, I don't know if he said it, but definitely coming, coming in with a chip on our shoulder. Uh, got something to prove, and we've just been working towards that. And like he said, it's going to be whoever getting in our way got to pay. Ventrell, uh, you guys won the East last year. You know, you had national title. You guys were right in that mix all the way into December. You know, you were six bowls. In your own words, why is Florida still the team to beat in the East? Man, I feel like we is the team. Like you said, we came out and we won the East, so I feel like we the, the, the undisputed champions in the East. Uh, but like you said, we're looking forward to coming out and winning the whole thing. Um, but we come out every year. Uh, we come out every year ready to, ready to go and ready to rock and roll. So. All right, quote of the day, Shane, from Ventrell Miller. <laughs> Whoever gets in the way's got to pay. I love that from a from a linebacker, don't you? Absolutely, man. I, I Oh, my God. That, that sounds like something I'd have on my shirt. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wednesday after Taco Tuesday. You know? <laughs> 
when you know, I don't know uh, if you're aware of this, Shane, but Florida is the only team here in, in all of SEC media days, not just Monday, but the entire event that was bringing two defensive players. So it's almost to me says like there's a message being sent that Dan Mullen, you know, he wants that side of the ball to know that he's got confidence in him. And, you know, he wanted to get the word out that, uh, you know, maybe he wanted everyone to ask, you know, your defense sucked last year. You know, how's, are they going to be better? And, and here you got two of the team leaders on that side of the ball who have yeah. probably have bruised egos all off season. And, and this is what I've been hampering on. I think Florida's defense is going to be much improved this year. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to be improved so much just because of – I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of returning players, and, and, mm-hmm. and I get that. They're coming with this team effort. But I, I think the reason that you're going to look back and say the Florida Gators are a better defense is because I fully expect that offense to slow down a little bit. Uh, you, you know, uh, Dan gets on here later. I don't know if we played the clip, but where he's talking about the – the, the running efficiency last year, mm-hmm. but you know, they just didn't do it. And and the reason maybe they were so efficient is because when they did, they usually had a sizable lead. So I, I fully expect them to be more ground and pound this year. Not, not, I don't think they're going to pull away from what, you know, what, what Dan likes to do, but the, the, if you're not scoring in 25 seconds or four minutes, you know, your defense is starting to get more rest and you're going to get a lot more production out of them when they're on the field. That's just, that's just football one-on-one. So yes, I do think the defense takes a big leap forward. And I love the fact that they brought the two captains with them. Mm -hmm. And last thing on the Gator, Shane, uh, this a comment Dan Mullen made from uh, the main ballroom there, but you know, this is a talking point that comes up all the time. Uh, Dan Mullen continues to be in favor of, of ditching permanent cross-division rivalries. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's kick it over to Dan Mullen real quick. Uh, first time in 10 years. And uh, just talk about the opportunity to play that game in sort of a non-neutral setting and, and have the home crowd for that game. Yeah, I think that's it's really exciting. Um, you know, I don't get the commissioner in trouble here, but, you know, I mean, I'd love to, to – maybe do away with the permanent crossover team. And, and so you get these type of games more often, I think for the players, uh, for the fan bases, I really think it's exciting to see some more of, of the, uh, of, of maybe, uh, you know, mixing up the teams from, from the West and, and playing two different teams, uh, each year instead of a permanent crossover. I think that'd be really exciting because so you get this matchup. So uh, it's going to be an exciting day. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Uh, it's going to be a, a fun game to be a part of. And uh, as you said, you know, for, for 10 years, we haven't seen it. You'd love to to see see that more. I mean, well, there's teams that'll visit. There, there's non-conference teams that are going to visit the Swamp a lot more than conference teams. And uh, I think you'd, you would love to see maybe a, a better rotation of those teams. All right, Shane. So, hell, I mean, we even have similar <laughs> comments from Dan Mullen in our intro. Uh, but, yep. you know, what are your thoughts on this? Because you knew this was going to be asked of him because Alabama is coming to Gainesville for the first time in like 12 years. And, you know, these are two of the biggest programs, not only in the SEC, but in the country. And it just seems like it seems like we're doing something wrong if it if it takes 12 years for Alabama to, to visit Florida. Doesn't it seem like? 
Yeah, I, I do. And as the conference expanded, there was no talk about changing things. Uh, I just, I, I don't know. I just think that it isn't fair because here we pride ourselves in being the best conference in the country. Yet we've got players that go through the entire their entire career in college football and may play not play a team or mm, two. Right. You know, I just don't. I don't think that is. I don't think that's the way it should be designed. And I think, you know, when the guys that, that, that started this program, the reason they did a lot of this stuff was, was more for the history of the programs, which also, you know, it was harder to get to certain universities and stuff. So, but it's not like that these days. It's just, I don't know, as we're talking about expansion of playoffs and we're changing things left and right, I, I think, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to revisit this because I think it would be better for the program. Uh, I, I thought after last year we would get some more, you know, conference play, um, and, and maybe that's in the back burner. They got a lot of things going on with COVID and stuff. I understand that. But I, I don't think this is a topic we're not going to hear again. In fact, it would not surprise me five years from now if we're not talking about some sort of conference realignment. All right, Shane, next on the docket, let's jump on down to, well, we're staying in Hoover, but uh, kick it on over to LSU. My honor to present the national championship trophy to coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. Because Ed Ogeron brought uh, Austin Deculus, the offensive lineman, and Derek Stingley, the All-American defensive back, down to Hoover for their media day's appearance. And, you know, kind of similar to what we were saying with Florida, but more towards their defense having an embarrassing year. It was embarrassing all around for LSU. Yeah. Until until the you know the final two games of the season when they managed to upset Florida and and beat a red hot Ole Miss team. So, you know, the big question all across the SEC, which is the real LSU? The one in the first eight games that was terrible or the red hot team that uh, you know, no one saw winning those last two games. And I caused quite a stir by picking LSU to win the West this year. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not asking you to, if you're, you know, to completely rip me for that pick, but uh, which LSU do you think we're going to get this year? Do you think we're going to get closer to 2019, in which they went 15-0 and and won the national championship, or closer to uh, last year's 5-5 five and five team that was such a huge disappointment? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny that you say that because I, I, I feel like I'm part of that. I, I felt like, you know, coming into this season, I, I kind of I talked them up a little bit myself. You know, I didn't go out there and say they're going to win the West by no means, but mm -hmm. I think we're going to get more of a 2019 LSU Tiger this year. And one thing you're going to hear in these comments and questions, it, it, and I hate that we led with it, it's always going to be a Joe Burrow 2019 you know, comparison. And, and I thought last year was going to be like the year we talked about it and then we moved on, but I guess COVID took front seat. Now we're still, I mean, that's just how great that team was. The, let me tell you, Mike, the, I, the LSU Tigers are great. They got a lot of talent. I love coach O to death. Uh, the shirtless running videos, keep them coming <laughs> to me. I can't get enough of them, but I, I hate to say it, Mike, we're not going to have another 2019 LSU team, Maybe ever. 
mm-hmm. know, that's just how good they were. Mm-hmm. And, and and I hate comparing it because, you know, I, I mean, hell, I'm in Tennessee, man. We're still talking about 98. You know what I'm saying? And every year it's like, well, we're not going to be that good, you know. But it, it's just I, I don't like the comparison talk. This is a totally different team. And uh, they've got some serious talent. But I think the talent that's going to need to shine on these LSU Tigers isn't the offense. And that's what they all want to talk about. It's going to be their defense. I think it's this defense that's going to be able to keep them in just about every ball game that they play. They just need the offense to execute when needed. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, let's kick it over to Coach O, who right out the gate, first question, no surprise, the quarterback competition between Max Johnson and Miles Brennan. Uh, I really like this comment. He was asked about the recruiting, but he kind of was able to swing it towards, you know, this program's not a one-year wonder. And then uh, on having two outstanding defensive backs in Derek Stingley and Elias Ricks and how playing for an NFL defensive backs coach in Deronta Jones, how that is going to play out for the Tigers this year on the field. Coach, I don't know if you're, you're tired about this question yet or not, but um... – when you look at the quarterback battle, um, how close is it? And do you know, you know, when you will name a starter? Yeah, it's very close. I mean, either one would be a great choice. And, uh, you know, look at the work that Miles Brennan did and the way he started the season and the success that he had as far as yardage. And, you know, it wasn't his fault that we lost the game. And no question about that. And, uh, and then he got hurt. And then you look at uh, the way Max just kept on fighting and uh, just kept on competing and just waited his turn. And like so many players at LSU. And then his turn comes against Florida in the swamp, 27 point on the dog. He wins that game. We come back and uh, we beat a very good Ole Miss team. And uh, he did some tremendous things in that football game. And uh, so both of them have shown us that they can have a lot of success at LSU. So you only can play one quarterback, right? So there's an open competition. It's stick intact. One day I can see Miles doing better. One day I see Max doing better. Uh, no one has pulled ahead of the other one. Uh, in my opinion, they're starting dead even going into camp. It's going to be a tight race. How do you chart this battle to keep it fair? How do you evaluate <laughs> everything, yeah. especially after last yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, well, when we were going to college, uh, there were no computers. You, know, you couldn't keep everything. <laughs> it's just, it'd be hard. And, but now there's computers. Now we got analysts. Now we got PowerPoints. Everything is graded. We film everything. We got analysts grading everything. That's gradable. Now we're not going to grade individual. And, but you know, any team period that's competitive, any 707, any one-on-one, any team pass, any blitz period, they get a grade. And that grade's put in a computer. And then we'll put all the grades together, look at it, and see who wins. Now, it may come down to that. It may not. It may come down to I say, hey, this guy's the best quarterback. I know he is. He's the best quarterback. It may come down to the last day. I'll give you an example. Last year, TJ and Max, when Miles got hurt, were in a competition. It was a close competition. Wednesday afternoon, we had a third down period. TJ won the third down period. The whole team saw TJ won the contest. So sometimes it's obvious. I think this is going to be obvious. Sometimes it's very close. We have to go to the computer, look at it. And sometimes it's going to be a gut feeling. 
Coach, what is having guys like Eli Ricks and Derek Stingley Jr. free you up to do with the rest of your defense? Yeah, you know, play a lot of zone. Uh, maybe double someone else, put them man-to-man. Gives you a lot of flexibility. I'll put them on their best receiver, obviously, and cover them man-to-man. Uh, but I do believe that Durante is coming from Mike Zimmer's system has a great way of using fantastic players. And, you know, you got to know what you're doing. You just can't not say, I'm going to cover this guy here, but then they give you different formations, they move them around, and they switch them up, and they say, oh, boy, what are we doing? And some, some of that may or may not happen last year. We cannot let that happen again. Uh, so I think he's uh, – Durante is going to simplify our defense, but basically let those guys play. And uh, – Cover the best receivers. Uh, an hour ago, you did the hold that tiger tweet. Uh, five and five in 2019, or sorry, 2020. Most people would think that the program would go down in recruiting. Not only have y'all stayed on point with recruiting, y'all yeah. escalated it, and y'all are one of the top five teams in America right now. Yeah. What do you point that as to? Because after you did not have success in the field last year, that yeah. your recruiting is is red hot right now, and you're keeping yeah. the yeah. borders around the state. You know, you bring, you bring a very good point. You know, the, uh, you know, these players saw the 2019 season. They saw Joe Burrow. They see, they see these guys. They see, George, uh, they see Justin Jefferson on TV. <laughs> they, see, they see Clyde Edwards-Alaire having success. They see all the success that LSU has had. So you just can't put it on one season. And uh, these guys do believe, and I'm talking to the recruits, that, you know what, hey, we stick together, that we can have another year like that. And... Not every year is going to be like that. No, no way we want a year like we had last year. Uh, but, you know, we have 19 to 22 starters coming back. Uh, we're hungry. Uh, maybe last year we wasn't as hungry as we need to be, obviously. Uh, I think that uh, last year is a thing of the past. Uh, we're going to deal with this year one game at a time. And I do believe you're going to see the Tigers have a very good football team. I think the leadership of a football team, you know, mm -hmm. to see that uh, 19 of 22 starters came back. We had a lot of guys that could have left, but because of COVID, they had an extra year. Mm -hmm. They decided to come back and do something special. Right. They had that taste in their mouth. Mm -hmm. I have that taste in their mouth. You know what that is? There's only one way to get it out. It's you gotta win. That's you it. Gotta win. All right, Shane. So, uh, Coach O, not giving away anything with the quarterback <laughs> competition as expected. You want those guys to you know, go into training camp thinking they're on equal footing here. But, yeah, you know, what's so interesting, you hit on that defense the way I understand it. So they've hired this Duranta Jones who's got no experience as a coordinator in college football, but they're going to rely on him to basically just handle the defensive backfield. Cocho himself with, with the uh, help of, of course, of uh, Andre Carter, their new defensive line coach. But Cocho is going to stick primarily to coaching that defensive line. And it's almost a per perfect marriage because you got two corners that are going to be playing in the NFL in, in a short time. Yep. Now you're giving them, uh, you know, coaching from a true professional from the NFL ranks. And we're bringing back everybody on the defensive line, all the starters from last year, getting coached by Cocho, one of the best defensive line coaches of all time, uh, it, it almost seems like, you know, it's the perfect marriage there, wouldn't you think? 
That's that's exactly what I think. Uh, I and you know, Coach O's wanted to get more hands on, and now he has the ability to do it because he doesn't have to worry about the backfield. He can just focus on the big boys up front, and that's what LSU. I mean, think about it. When I think of LSU, it's like you think of some of these teams. You're like, oh, Georgia running backs, or you know what I'm saying. It's like when I think of LSU, I think of defensive backs, and I think of big ass linemen. And and Coach O has that. He has de- he has guys going in the league. Uh, multiple guys going in the league on that side of the ball, and he just needs to coach him up. And this is what he wants, man. This is this bread and butter. So I, I, I think that's why we're going to see a sizable difference with LSU, mainly because of that, like you said, that combination they're going to have on the, on the backside. Mm-hmm. Now let's kick it over to uh, the, the players there for LSU. Austin Deculus talking about the quarterback competition. He's getting it too. Uh, <laughs> and on the new offense being you know, kind of the Joe Brady 2.0. And then uh, some interesting comments. We always get teased Derek Stingley. Is he going to play receiver? He he was not really going to reveal the true answer here, but I thought it was interesting. And then I thought uh, maybe the best comments of the day from LSU when Derek Stingley was asked about wearing that number seven jersey for the LSU Tigers. Austin, um, from your perspective, what's the quarterback battle uh, been like so far? It's been great. Like I, like I said earlier, you know, it's a competition. Competition brings out the best in everybody. And both of those guys are stepping up. Even uh, everybody from Garrett Nussmeyer, too. You know, he's been coming in, and he's one of those uh, Patrick Mahomes-type guys. He likes throwing this, like them special little passes. But all of them are doing a great job, really. So, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Did you drive or did you fly? That's what. Man, look. Drove. Drove. <laughs> Uh, All right. So talking to Coach earlier, he had said that mm-hmm. he brought in DJ Mangus and Jake Peets to run yeah. Joe Brady's offense from 2019. Right. What have you seen so far? How much is, is what you're experiencing with those two coaches a resemblance of what Joe Brady brought in 2019? You know, when you compare both offenses from that 2019 season to the one Peets is bringing, you have both. Both of those offenses are just highlight real offenses. You know, you got – you got dangerous running backs, dangerous receivers, a da- two dangerous quarterbacks, whoever's going to be. But the thing is about both of those offenses that are similar is giving playmakers plays to make plays in space. Say that about three times, and I can't do it, I promise you. But the thing is, like, like I said before, it's just going to be a very energetic offense, just like 2019 season. Hey, Austin, Jacques Doucet, WAFB-TV. How you Rouge. doing? I'm good. Uh, local sports guys always drive. We don't fly anywhere for the most part. <laughs> so <laughs> it's got to be real far. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Derek, the, the noise about when you first came to LSU was you would spend your first two years on defense and then your third year, which is now playing both sides of the ball. How much of that is going to come to fruition? And will we see number seven B in wide receiver this year? Well, that that just depends on, on what Coach O wants, and if, if he needs someone to, to do that, uh, then we'll talk about it. Uh, how pumped are you that you're wearing the, the vaunted number seven jersey for the LSU Tigers? I mean, some monster names in the past, some legends have worn that jersey. How excited are you about wearing that number? I'm very excited. It's, it's something that I've always seen as a kid, um, you know, the hype around it and what everybody did with the number. Uh, that's what I look forward to doing. Um, I, I really want to leave a mark, you know. Getting to wear that number seven jersey obviously is such an honor. I know that also the number 18 jersey is a huge deal. They even have a whole text kind of group texting. Do y'all do the same thing for the number seven jersey? Do y'all talk to former guys who wore the jersey? And mm-hmm. if so, what's some of the best advice one of those guys gave you? 
Yeah, uh, I've, talk, I've talked to a couple of the um, previous sevens, uh, but with Tyron Matthew, uh, I asked him how to be the perfect leader. And he, there is no perfect way. Um, it's just however you feel um, it needs to be. Like me, I'm a, I'm a quiet guy. So um, he told me, he was like, you don't always have to go out there and, and scream and yell and be this rah-rah guy. Like when, people, when you speak, like people are going to listen. And I took that and, um, you know, I started noticing whenever I had something to say, people would listen. And I didn't think I had that kind of power at all. Like, uh, I just thought I was just a normal guy, just like everything else, you know. All right, Shane, so why I really pointed to that, uh, you know, his answer, Derek Stingley, that is, when he's asked about number seven, was because we all know the hype around this kid. He was, you know, when he was a true freshman, he was not freshman All-American. He was just All-American, you know what I mean? One of the best players in all the country. We all know that if he has a really big year, he's going off to the NFL because he's probably going to be – you know, a top five pick mm-hmm. yet. What is he thinking about when he gets the opportunity to wear number seven? It's not about, you know, I'm going to showcase my skill and yeah. go on and make all this money, which he's got every right to do. But instead of that, it's more, he's reaching out to the, to the old guard and, and asking how to be a better leader for this team that was lacking leadership last year, if we're being honest. So you know, when you got your very best player, your most talented player, who could have one foot out the door and no one would blame him, instead go in the complete opposite direction and saying, "How do I honor this? How do I honor my team?" I think that's a, I think that's a really great sign for LSU this year. Yeah, I mean, you remember Stingley came in with so much hype right out of the gate, and it felt like he was already too big for college football, and it feels like. I mean, I know he's becoming a better athlete, but it feels like he's really growing into that role. You know, I, I think that's – I don't know. You're going to listen to all these players today, and I don't know about you, Mike, but it just felt like LSU, the the kids talking, I, I just felt the confidence from them. Did you get that? I mean, it just – like when, when I when you hear Florida, it feels like they're, they're men on a mission. They're all together. They're united. You know, South Carolina – kind of comes in with that why not me mentality which you'll hear in a little bit but it feels like LSU's like confident like like we've been here we're going to do it again kind of attitude did you pick up that vibe well yeah because a lot of these guys man they've got that championship pedigree you know mm-hmm. and I know it's kind of it's very easy to say well hell this five and five last year they suck but <laughs> I just think it was just the perfect storm of of just everything going wrong for the Tigers and and I think they're far, far closer to that championship caliber than they mm-hmm. are to being a 500 SEC team. But hey, saying it's one thing, you got to go out there and do it. But, That's right. But I, it's kind of like you're saying. I mean, these comments, everybody's making comments. Everybody thinks they're going undefeated. But some, yeah. sometimes you can sense it. And I sensed it from Joe Burrow in 2019. And I'm starting to pick up some of that from uh, both Florida and LSU, to be honest with you. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, if you remember Burrow talking about the spring practice, you know, he's got, oh, you're going to, you're going to see it. You're, you're, you're going to feel it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then now you got these guys, you got Stingley just like, yeah, I just, we're, we're, you know, it's just, 
it just feels like the same type of vibe. Now, I just told you I'm not compared to the 2019 team, <laughs> but the confidence, I love that coming from your captains, coming in like, yeah, we belong here. We, there's a reason we're going first, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, Shane, last team on the docket here from one Shane to another. Shane Beamer. Yeah, yeah. Down here in Hoover, he kind of stole the show. Everybody was just blown away by the uh, first-year coach there from South Carolina. And and right before we hopped on the line, I mean, the tweet of the day, Shane, the Gamecocks, if, you, if you've not seen it, we've reposted it. But he reenacted the Steve Spurrier thumbs up down there from down in Hoover. So, uh, I mean, that, that just encapsulated the entire day for Shane Beamer, who I think a lot of people – maybe wondering why in the hell did they hire this guy. And I think they caught a glimpse of it, not only today, but just how well his program is recruiting, uh, particularly the last couple of months. So, you know, I think if you're a Gamecock fan, you got a lot to be excited about heading into the start of the Shane Beamer era. Oh, yeah. Am I saying something here? No, no. Because I got to tell you, after I listened to him, the, what I was thinking of is just like, he, he wants, he's, he wants it, man. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I'm not saying these other coaches don't, but he wants South Carolina to be good. You can feel it. He, he wants to recruit. He wants to, you know, he talks about it here a minute. It's like, what, what have we been really good at tight ends? Okay. We're at tight end university or listen, <laughs> we're open for business. You know, it's just like, I love the comments. Uh, it just feels like, you know, he wants so much, so hard for South Carolina to be good. And uh, you could kind of tell that in these comments. Yeah, and before we get to his full comments, Shane, I'm, you picked the right one there because we got to highlight that. Uh, South Carolina fans know this name well, but the Gamecocks are in it with a four-star tight end, Oscar Delp. And these coaches are not allowed to say the guy's name. You know, like, Oscar, come on down to Columbia. You cannot do that publicly. But Shane Beamer, he did the next best thing using his platform here at SEC Media Days to let – all the tight ends out there know, hey, they're wanted down there in Columbia. Tight end position, that's a position that's near and dear to me, something that I've coached for the last five years uh, in my career. We are always going to utilize the tight end. Every donor or booster club event that I go to, that's the one question I get asked, are you going to throw the tight end? We are going to throw to the tight end. We want the premier tight ends in America, and that's the way that we're recruiting right now as well, to go get those guys as well. We've utilized those guys in the past when I've been at Oklahoma, and we will continue to. One of those tight ends is here today in Nick Muse, a fantastic young player, older player for us. And then Jaheim Bell is another one that we have high hopes for as well. But that position will always be a key part of our offense at South Carolina. All right, Shane. So, I mean, <laughs> my goodness. I mean, you can't – that was pretty smooth right there by Shane Beamer because uh, Delp, I know, is uh, – you know, he's looking at Georgia. I believe he's looking at Florida and Michigan. And so, we'll see what, if these other coaches <laughs> – what do they say about the tight end position? But – you know what he? You know what he should have done, Mike. Put a little mustard on his tie and say, "I'm sorry, I was eating an Oscar Mayer wiener before I came out here." <laughs> like I said, Beaver, he did it right his first time. You never know how these guys are going to perform when the when the spotlight's on them, but. Uh, he knocked it out of the park. So let's kick it over to his comments here on uh, his year one goals there at South Carolina and what he learned from Lincoln Riley uh, there at Oklahoma after spending a couple years under the Sooners coach. 
I said in my press conference back in December that I didn't feel like there was anything at South Carolina that we lacked to be a championship program, that we had everything that we needed. I am even more convinced of that now after being there for seven months. Uh, your players have talked about the high energy and enthusiasm you're bringing to this program. What's the focus of your first year as you know, you want to right the ship and, and bounce back from the last couple of years at South Carolina? Yeah, I think really it's uh, people talk about culture all the time. And I think it's for us, it's just creating that environment day in, day out that we want to be a part of, that we want our player, what we want our program to be about and, and just being consistent with that day after day. And then, you know, really in, in regards with the program, I know it's cliche, but it's just let's be the very best that we can be and let's try and get better each day. And I know it is, it's it, people, it's coach speak and, and all that as well, but it's true for us. Um, there's not a lot of expectations for South Carolina football this fall. I get it, don't really care, you know, what the outside perception is and what the outside expectations are. Uh, I like the team that we have and we're about, let's be the very best that we can be and, and how good can we be, how good can the 2021 uh, South Carolina football team be, and, and that's our goal and, and uh, what we're working towards each and every day. Question I wanted to ask you about, what did you learn in the three years that you had a chance to work with Lincoln Riley? He's been so such an offensive mastermind. He had a seamless transition really from head coach, or from offensive coordinator to head coach, and he's run different styles of offenses almost with different QBs. What did you learn most from him? Probably just what you just said. Um, a lot. One, it was for, I, I was thankful that I was able to come in with Lincoln after year one. So I went into Georgia with Kirby, his first time ever being a head coach. I go into Oklahoma, Lincoln's second year of being a head coach, but his first true offseason. So being able to see what they did as a head coach early on in their tenure. Uh, Kirby, when he got the job, I think is younger than, was younger than what I am now. Lincoln's still younger than me, so he's younger than what I was. So being able to see them as a first-time head coach. And then this, that was my main reason for leaving Georgia to go to Oklahoma was just to get connected with Lincoln Riley from an offensive standpoint and to see not just how we did things offensively but why we did the things we did that we did. It was really good for me. Uh, but it was a great lesson of each year that offense, like the core concepts were going to stay the same but you better be able to adapt to your personnel. And we were different in 2018 with Kyler at quarterback than we were 2019 with Jalen, the 2020 with Spencer Rattler. And, and uh, what's, who are your best playmakers? Let's figure out ways to get them the ball. And that's probably the biggest thing I took from there. All right, Shane, so there you got it from Shane Beamer. And like I said, I mean, I, I think he was the most impressive from day one. Maybe that was in part just because no one knew what to expect mm -hmm. and he, Certainly, you know, he doesn't have the uh, experience as, as far as being a head coach. You know, th this is obviously his first job. So you just don't know what you're going to get from a guy like this in his first time. Yet, uh, it certainly didn't seem to me like this was Shane Beamer's first time in SEC media days. Did it to you? No, I felt pretty confident, pretty, pretty comfortable. And I think that's the vibe you got to have coming into a season like this. You, you want to be a fun place to play. And, and that's kind of, you know, you hear the players come out here in a minute, you know, that that's one thing. It's like, why, why not us? Why not South Carolina? You know, uh, a lot of people, myself included, uh, are counting them out and, uh, they've got some talent on that team, Mike. And, uh, why not them? I, I just, I just kind of like the attitude they have. Uh, and it all stems from your head ball coach. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And speaking of tight ends, he brought senior tight end, Nick Muse who made the decision to come back to South Carolina. And he talks about uh, what 
Shane Beamer pitched to him and, and his decision to do that on the receivers and tight ends there in Columbia having a lot to prove. And, of course, everybody's wondering, what is this Marcus Satterfield offense going to look like? Uh, Nick Muse kind of talked – it's interesting about making sure you get all your, your best players on the field no matter what that looks like, including potentially putting uh, Marshawn Lloyd and Kevin Harris on the field at the same time. My God, imagine trying to stop that. <laughs> and then uh, their outstanding pass rusher, Kingsley and Igbare. He knows what it's like facing those running backs. He talks about that. And on the uh, disrespect that the Gamecocks have been getting this offseason, it, it seems like, hell, he says they're even going to be a contender this year. All right, when you announced you were coming back, you said, I believe in what Coach Beamer is bringing to the program, and I want to be a part of it. What exactly is he bringing? Uh, you know, before I made my decision, I talked to him. I talked to Coach Kimry on the phone a couple of times. It's just, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, just – you know, he wants to be here. It's, it's something he's desired to do ever since he was a coach back in, I believe, 2010. But, uh, you know, it's just the competitive mindset he has of, you know, we're not rebuilding, we're trying to win. So, you know, he, he sold me on it, and uh, it would help me also. So that's why I decided to come back and return. What do you see in this receiving group? Shy Smith leaves. The guys that have come back, there's not a lot of guys that have caught a lot of passes. I think you're the leading receiver, and the leading wide receiver had 11 catches a season ago. Do you feel like there's something to prove for this whole group of pass catchers? Um, yes, sir. We have a lot to prove. Um, I don't even think I had half the year I think I can have. So, you know, um, I feel like I can improve as well as, you know, the wide receivers. We have a lot of good tight ends. Uh, we just got E.J. Jenkins, who you line him up anywhere, and he's going to make a play. Uh, same with Jaheim Bell. You can put him at running back. Heck, you can put him at safety, put him at punt returner. It doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are going to get more opportunities. Of course, we had Shy Smith, who did a phenomenal job last year. And, you know, he's in a league where he needs to be. But, uh, you know, we, we, everybody's got something to prove. And everybody's got something to improve on. So, you know, whenever they call my name during the game, I'm trying to make a play. And we'll go from there. We were talking with Coach Beamer a couple minutes ago. And he was saying we've got to get the best playmakers on the field regardless of position if that means we have three running backs and two tight ends and no receivers then so be it do you think there's any real possibility that we could see maybe Marshawn and Kevin both in the backfield at the same time maybe two tight ends on that same unit do you, do you think they're thinking outside of the box a little bit using that talent that you already have um no I think his statement was completely true um whether you know I'm on the field or I'm not on the field if there's 11 better players than me, Coach Beamer's going to put them on the field. So he's not one of those that's favoritism or looks at the stats from last year. He, he's literally going to put the best 11 on the field. So, you know, Marshawn is, you know, he's told me about double backflips he could do. And I'm just like, you know what? You're very athletic, Marshawn. So, you know, people like that, you, everybody saw what Kevin Harris can do last year. But if, if we have to do three or four tight ends, if we have to do three or four wide receivers, that's something we're going to do to try to win games because Coach Beamer is here to win. So. What's it like as a um, defensive guy going against the running backs that you have uh, on your roster right now? How tough is it going against those guys? Um, it's definitely tough, and it's definitely a fun experience. Most of the guys, uh, they talk crap back when we talk crap to them, so it's definitely a comp uh, competitive practice with them. And So we definitely got a deep running back room, three guys where I feel like legit can make some noise in the SEC, whether it's, it's a conjury right, um, Marshawn Lord and Kevin Harris, we definitely have some guys in the running back room. Of course, the uh, South Carolina fan base is excited about um, 
uh, a new coach, uh, a new beginning, so to speak, for South Carolina football. But around the country, Gamecock's not getting a whole lot of love, not expected to do too much in the SEC. When you see or read things like that, does that inspire you? Does it make you angry a little bit uh, because you're not getting the respect you think you deserve? Um, it most definitely is. The disrespect is definitely uh, is not tolerated. Um, because we definitely feel like we're going to be a championship contender this year, and we definitely have some pieces where we feel like we can, can really dominate. And um, but yeah, it definitely strikes us and gets our blood blowing. And um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I really can't control what other people think about us because they're not with us from a day in aspect. So honestly, it does, really doesn't matter. I guess sticking with the Jordans, what, what have you seen from Birch as he's? I guess gotten a full year under his belt and, and strong, of course, now that he's been with you guys for, what, six, seven months or now since mm -hmm. he transferred in. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jordan Bird's definitely making tremendous strides this year. Uh, he's definitely maturing as a football player mentally and physically, uh, developing his body more so he can um, just look like more like a, I guess, a college player or whatnot. Not saying he wasn't that last year, but um, then the other Jordan, Jordan Strong, he's definitely uh, – about to make some noise in the SEC, leading the uh, nation last year in sacks. And then he, uh, I think, added like 40 pounds of muscle, straight muscle, good weight this year to, uh, I guess, better uh, prepare for the SEC schedule. But he's de we definitely, them two definitely going to be uh, making some noise this year. All right, Shane. So, hey, it's a different era here in, in Columbia. And, you know, Feinbaum asked uh, Beamer, I don't know if you saw it, but it, it was a pretty – poignant question you know saying you got the fans excited you got the players excited everybody is uh, looking forward to your debut but realistically you know what are the expectations and Beamer admitted that uh, you know I'm here for a reason but it's pretty wild that on SEC media days he's talking about bringing championships to South Carolina and here his players his star players are kind of already talking that talk Whereas towards the tail end of the Will Muschamp era, I don't know if there was a SEC fan base that was less excited about their football than it there was in Columbia. So <laughs> I, I just think it's a credit to this guy and his program. And, and, the, and basically they're pushing in the right direction. And, and it seems like they got the entire fan base behind them. And that is the first key to turning a program around. <laughs> well, I don't know about the – I, don't know. I mean, you're talking about there's some pretty disgruntled fan bases out there, Mike, last year. <laughs> That's true. Uh, my, myself included. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I and I've had and that's one thing. And, and I'm not going to talk all Tennessee here because they're not even speaking today. But, you know, we've had coaches in the past that have came up and, and gave you that. Hey, this is a three, four year rebuild. Fans don't want to hear that. This is a now society mm -hmm. they want it now they want to be good now and they want to see you trying and if you come out and you give them that same old song and dance that this is a rebuild you know you're going to have a lot of fans not showing up on saturdays you're selling tickets right now Th that stadium's been empty for for almost a year and a half so it's it's time to fill it up and you do that by making promises now can you back it up we don't know yet but you, like I said earlier, you got some talent on the team. Yeah, one of the ones I keep bringing up is my boy uh, uh, Lloyd on there. I'm mm -hmm. telling you, this kid, freak athlete, didn't get to play last year because of injury. But you remember them all? 
Uh, and by the way, Mike, last week NCAA would have came out. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to, you know, bring that up, but I say that to say this: if I'm a new coach looking to take an SEC job, I'd always look at that roster first. And if I saw that little diamond down there at running back with uh, 99 agility, yeah, I'm going to take that team. And that's what exactly what South Carolina has. And he's not even technically the best running back on that roster. So uh, they've got some little, they got some studs out there. And if they can put them in the right place in the right space, uh, it would not blow my mind if South Carolina caught a few teams off guard this year. Well, hey, buddy, that's the opening day here of talking season here down in Hoover, SEC Media Days, and I can feel the energy, I can feel the buzz, and I love the fact that, you know, there's no negativity here. It's all positive buzz going into the season. Uh, I love the fact that some of the players and coaches are all talking about the fans coming back and tailgating Mm -hmm. coming back, and I really think we're going to be heading into – I know we say this every year, but I really think yeah. we're heading into the best year, considering that last year was just not what it, you know what we're used to. So it's kind of like something gets taken away from you. You appreciate it that much more when you get it back. And and I man, I just can't wait for it, dude. You have I I, I have you watched baseball before, Mike? Ever in your entire life. <laughs> Have you? I've never. Not, I've not ne- till this year. <laughs> I've never watched college baseball, but and I've turned on this thing and I've never saw so much excitement and buzz. And yes. Was it about the good product on the field? Yeah, a lot of it was, but some of it was just being there and supporting your team. And I think that's what's really going to shine this year. I mean, could you imagine South Carolina playing sandstorm right now in a hundred uh, a completely full. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be the, I'd get the decibel thing out there. There's going to be some records broken <laughs> this year in the sec. And, and I, I think a lot of people are just anxious to get out there and support their team. Because like you said, when you don't have it, you realize how valuable it is. Yeah. And, and next, and we're just getting started here, Shane, with the uh, sec media days coverage. So tomorrow we got Georgia, Kentucky, Ole Miss and Tennessee. So, man, we are going to have us a lot to talk about on tomorrow's show. But uh, I think this is going to wrap us up unless you got anything else before we hop off the line. No, uh, first time with the gear. So if I sound stupid, I apologize. It's going to take a little while, you know, to get used to this whole setup. But uh, a lot of fans say you sound stupid no matter (laughs) what. But uh, no, I'm, I'm pumped up, man. I, I, I really am. Uh, like I said, we're we're le- almost less than 50 days. And, and like I said, that's just that's that's a long month, Mike. You know, it's not two months. It's not two months away. It's a it's a month. Mm-hmm. It's July next. I mean, next month here in a couple of weeks, they're showing up They're there. I mean, I think have we got the pictures yet? Are they even moving in? You know, that even gets me hopped up. I'm like, look, I'm <laughs> carrying all their clothes in. You know, it's about time to do football, you know, so I, I'm pumped up. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the more news comes out. Absolutely. We'll stay, uh, stick with us here all week. We're going to have a pod every, every day this week and uh, give us that five-star written review. If you appreciate this podcast, won't cost you a dollar and we'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. And I'll say it again, check us out on YouTube. We're really trying to grow that this year. Head on over to uh, that sec podcast on YouTube. You'll find all the sec media day videos but uh, that's going to do it. Appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out and listening to the show. 
catch y'all the next one. And leaving the beer cave is Cousin Shane. Go Vols. <laughs> <laughs>